Hey guys, we got two bestie homeschool and mamas coming at you today. This is Gail. And I'm Christina. And we are excited and kind of hesitant to share the um, episode we have for you today. But we are doing this episode in honor of the Pregnancy Loss Awareness Day coming up um, in just a few days, actually, on October 15th. This is going to be a hard subject to talk about, but something Christina and I are so passionate about because it's not just something that's talked about very often. Um, There's so many women that feel alone in this. And we want today to be the day where you don't feel alone. And you know, the feelings you have are valid and okay. This is probably one of the hardest things. If you've ever had a pregnancy loss that you'll ever go through as a mom, and it should not ever be anything that you just glaze over. Here are hearts. You are loved. Your child is loved. And if you believe, as we believe, you will see that sweet child again. And that is the peace that I lie in every day. I guarantee there will be tears today. <laughs> I guarantee that that will be something really hard for both of us to hold back. So you're going to have to bear with us. We will do our best. But we wanted to share our stories as we have both experienced pregnancy loss in our life and wanted to share those to you guys so that you know you're not alone. Mm-hmm. So Chris is going to kick us off. Well, and I just want to point out too that even if you haven't experienced a loss, the chances are that you know someone that has. Right. So it's, you know, it's an important subject to talk about because... One in four women experience four. pregnancy loss. Yeah. That's like... 25%. Well, one in four pregnancies. One in four pregnancies, yes. Yeah. So that Okay, so I'm going to start off by sharing my just our story of our losses and and what that kind of looked like. So, I have always wanted a big family from small age. My husband needed a little bit more convincing, <laughs> but you know, we we decided that we wanted a big family. So, we had this perfect plan that we thought would go accordingly just as we planned it and found out very quickly that it didn't. We started trying for our first kiddo after 2 years of marriage and we were pleasantly surprised to get pregnant right away. First try Super excited, um, but that excitement didn't last long as a week later, we lost that baby, a week after we found out. So, of course, we were devastated. You know, I had all the normal emotions of what did I do wrong? That was definitely a struggle to go through, but that struggle continued as we then couldn't get pregnant again for quite some time. So, we spent almost three years of doctor's visits and tests and fertility medicine to try and get pregnant again after that. Um, And then we finally got pregnant with our oldest, Victoria, and everything went great with her. And then subsequently, we had several more babies after that, and everything was great. And so Mm -hmm. I just, in my mind, thought that there would be no more issues. But then we got pregnant with my sweet Zacchaeus. Who I named, by the way. (laughs) 
So while she pulls herself together, I'll tell you this really awesome story. When she got pregnant with Zacchaeus, I we used Voxer a lot back then. And I had sent her a message because we were all figuring out what we were going to name this baby. <laughs> and they like to use Bible names for their babies, which is super awesome. And I sent her a Voxer and Landon and I, my husband, we sang the Zacchaeus song to her. You know, Zacchaeus was a wee little man. So we sang that to her on a Voxer like two weeks before I think it was about two weeks before um, she experienced her loss with Zacchaeus and she didn't hear it. She didn't hear the Voxer at all. And then when she came home and told me what she named him, I said, I named him. You took my name. And she goes, what are are you you talking about? She hadn't heard it, you guys, and she still named him. So I knew that that sweet boy was I knew where exactly where he was and that we will see him again one day. But it was so cool because we named him and she named him <laughs> that even though knowing we didn't name him. And then I played the boxer for her like standing out in the driveway. And it was just crazy because it was a couple weeks even after the loss. So it was probably like four weeks from when I named him. Um, <laughs> she finally heard my boxer where I named him. And so, yeah, it was pretty it was a pretty, was pretty insane special. thing. Yeah. Yes. So with Zacchaeus, um, we had what I would call a pretty typical pregnancy. I had all the normal pregnancy sickness and aversions to food and cravings and everything Um, was going great. We went in to the doctor for a normal visit at 17 weeks. Everything looked great. His heartbeat was fine. Uh, The doctor at that time told us that he was most likely a boy, but he couldn't quite tell for sure. He didn't want to say for sure and then be wrong. So long before they were doing the blood tests with with that stuff. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we were excited that he was probably another boy in our, you know, house full of boys at the time. Um, Well, we had Victoria, but we just kept having boys Mm -hmm. after her, much to her dismay. So everything was growing great. And then just about... Just about 21 weeks, I started having some cramping and some bleeding and um, just knew something was wrong. Uh, Called the doctor. Of course, things go wrong on the weekends. So, you know, it was, well, we can't get you in right now, but if things get worse, go into, into the hospital. So we went into the hospital at 21, 21 weeks and found out that he had already passed away. That was a hard night. I remember coming over and being with the kids till grandma could come over. That was a hard night. Yeah. So. And that's a hard, that's a hard time. Like you have to, you have to deliver mm-hmm. your little one at that age. Yep. So we did, we went to the hospital and, um, well, that's where we were when we found out, but we stayed there and we delivered him that night and we got to see him and hold him and say goodbye. Yeah. Or see you later. We did get his footprint. Mm-hmm. That was really special. Yeah. Yeah. So that took a lot, a lot of healing from. We were able to 
have four kids after that. There was no explanation. There was no reason why. There was test upon test just to try and figure out, you know, if we should have more kids or not. And after that, we did go on to have Noah and Lizzie with no issues or complications besides my blood pressure, which was an ongoing thing now. So. Right. <laughs> um, scared the bejeebers out of me with the last two. Yeah. So that is, you know, our story. Our angels are missed dearly every single day, but we are so thankful to have the ones that we have here. Right, right. And Zacchaeus, he's waiting up on that tree. Yeah. He's hanging out up there, just waiting for us to come home. Yep. My sweet little Zacchaeus. (laughs) I text her every February. (laughs) Even if I don't get to see her, I text her and see how she's doing. You know, that is so special for those of you who maybe haven't experienced a loss and you know somebody that has just knowing that your little one is remembered. On his birthday, on his birthday, when he came into this world, even though he wasn't, his soul was already with Jesus. That's his birthday. I check in with her, (laughs) check in with her and David and see how they are. Those are hard days, you guys. Like, if you have friends who have experienced loss, especially something as traumatic as as Christine and David's story, I'll get to mine in just a minute. But having to deliver a stillborn is absolutely traumatic. It is something that I hope you will never, ever have to experience because it is, it's hard to get to it. You Yes, you get to see your little one and say goodbye, but you also get to see a tangible baby that you now don't get to take home, right? You went into that hospital pregnant and you're leaving the hospital without your baby. And so checking in with your friend on the day that they did all of that every year, um, it's not going to hurt their feelings. I promise you. They're going to feel valued by you as their friend. Mm-hmm that you've checked in on them, that you thought of them that day, that you thought of their child that day. So yeah, do the things. I think a lot of people don't want to make you sad and they don't, you know. They're already sad. (laughs) (laughs) They're going to be sad that day, whether you say something or not. Right. And so saying something, I think for me anyways, just brings a smile to my face. Right. Right. Because that child is loved by all the people. All the people. So, well, I love them. I didn't get to meet the, or I didn't know Christina when she had her first experience. So I don't know a ton about that one. But um, Zacchaeus was right in the middle of our yeah. our relationship. So that was a, a big deal for even our friendship. I love that little man. Okay, well... My story is still a story of loss. However, it was not, I, I praise Jesus that it was not quite that traumatic, but in, in its own way, it was very traumatic. Loss is loss. Loss is pretty terrible. Babies, regardless of, <laughs> yes. you know, how. So, and we don't know necessarily. I mean, I know why ours happened, but I don't know why it happened this way. We had our daughter when we were 20 our oldest. And then we got pregnant with Lainey when I was 22 or 23. And so I was still really young. 
Um, but I had already had my stroke at that point. So I was a high pregnant or like a high risk pregnancy. I was going to have to go and see a neonatologist. I found out I was pregnant. I went and tried to get in with my OBGYN and I went and got in with them and everything seemed okay. It was really early on, like five, six weeks or something. And then I was actually at church. I was doing like, they still did mops there. And so I was watching the babies at church while I was pregnant and I was starting to have cramps and um, bleeding. And that's never a good sign when you're pregnant. I mean, yes, it happens. Some people have it their entire pregnancy when they have a little bit of bleeding, but I hadn't, I hadn't had that with McKinsey and I was not on a blood thinner at this point anymore from my stroke. I had only been on that for about six months after my stroke. And that was when I was 21. So this is a whole year and a half later, I think. And so it's not like any of that was like a factor. And I called the doctor and they're like, you should go to the hospital, get an emergency ultrasound and all the things. And so I went to the hospital, called my husband because he was actually working at the hospital at the time. And he came to the ER and they were doing the ultrasound and stuff and found that my daughter was not all the way in the amniotic sac. So she was in this like very weird, like outside peninsula like the sack was there and it's like she didn't make it in all the way, basically. So they told me it was going to be like a spontaneous miscarriage at some point. They said, we could take care of it for you now or you can wait for it to happen. I was like, well, I'm going to wait for it to happen because if God wants to make a miracle here, then we're going to let that we're going to let that happen. Because I think I full heartedly believe that if he wanted this baby to be there, then he would he would make the baby be there. And um, so yeah, they weren't taking my baby anywhere. (laughs) And so we carried on and I was on bed rest basically until something happened and until something happened or until I delivered her. And I think I was about 15 ish week, 16. I don't know. It's been a really long time at this point and not something I go back and like count the weeks anymore, but it was somewhere between 15 and 18 weeks that I um, ended up losing her. And it was horrible because she was so small because of she wasn't growing correctly. And so I ended up having the miscarriage at my at home and it was very horrible. I was all by myself in the bathroom at my house and the miscarriage happened, right? This is going to just be one um, TMI, too much information. And if you don't like gore stuff, you may just want to skip over past like the next 30 seconds to a minute. But I was in the restroom and I basically miscarried right into the toilet. And it was pretty horrible because I was such, I was in shock basically of what to do at this point. And I knew like in my brain that she was in there and I like went looking for her with the toilet brush and there wasn't like a lot to find. There wasn't like a baby or anything like a physical um, body or anything, but because she was so small, she wasn't growing way that she should have been. She was really, really tiny for as many weeks as she was. And I didn't know what else to do. 
and I just flushed the toilet. And that has haunted me for years. That has haunted me for a really long time that I was alone and and I just, I flushed and I can't ever get that back. I can't ever, I feel like I should have done something more. Like I should have scooped her out and done something different. <laughs> I don't know what I would have done. <laughs> Put her in a shoebox. I don't know. But like scooped out the cells. I don't know. Like I feel like I disrespected her in some way. And I didn't know what else to do. I was in such shock of all of the things. And I was so young. I'd never experienced anything like that before. And I mean, they told me it was going to happen, but of course you're not expecting mm -hmm. that to happen at home and in the toilet. So it was just, it was the worst thing ever. It was the worst thing ever. And it's something like even still, she would be, let's see, Mackenzie's going to be 20. So in June, she would have been like 17. This has been 17 years and it still rattles me to think about it. It's just, it's the worst. <laughs> it's the worst feeling to think that you flushed your kid. I mean, I know that's not who she was at that point, but it still was horrible. And then, of course, you know, trying to reconcile that with my husband when he got home. And I mean, he wasn't upset. I mean, obviously, there wasn't anything that I could do. And he obviously was more concerned about me and the bleeding and all the things. But so that was pretty terrible. We were still in an apartment. We weren't in our house or anything yet. So it's not like we had somewhere special to take her even that even still. Yeah. <sighs> so I wish I would have known you then. I would have come over. <laughs> yeah. I didn't have Christina in my life just yet. We were, gosh, that was five, three or four years before we met you. Probably, actually, we were probably experiencing this at the same time. Hmm. Oh, gosh. How old? Yeah. Was, mine was November of... It was 2006. Yeah. I think it was November... Mine was October. October of... November, November of 05. Yeah. So yours oh. was a year later. Yeah. Yeah. Cause she would have been born in 06 because Kenzie would have just turned three. I think when well, the years go by fast. Yeah. So fast. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, and it still is so it's still fresh so fresh and, and so painful. Yep. Yeah. I don't talk about it a ton and I think of her still cause she's my little Laney faith. I don't know for sure that she was a girl, but in my heart, like, you know how when you're a mom and you're, you're just, just like, I'm pregnant with a girl. I started showing really early with her, which is crazy because she wasn't very big, but I like, you could tell I was pregnant like within five weeks. And with Mackenzie, I could, you couldn't even tell I was pregnant until I was like almost nine months pregnant because she was my, I didn't like pop until, and then as soon as I got pregnant with Lainey, I was like, everybody thought I was like five months pregnant. And, I'm, and then when... They tell me that she's like this big and I'm like, how is that possible? <laughs> but I don't know. So it was a it was a hard time in my life. And and then, of course, we decided not to have any more after that because of all of my health issues and what we went through with that. And we just decided that maybe God had only intended for us to have one. And so 
Like having, I w- it wasn't an option for me to be on birth control, which I'm glad because birth control totally wrecks your body. And well, I mean, that's what gave me the stroke was the birth control. And so I'm glad I wasn't able to go back on that. But yeah, when we were like 25, my husband got fixed and that was the best decision we ever made because then we didn't have to worry about all of those things. And we were very settled in that decision. But I also think that God was preparing us for mm-hmm. what he had for us in the future. Mm-hmm. So, but I, I, I don't know. You think about too, there are people who lose their baby and then very shortly get pregnant with another one. Mm-hmm. And then you think, well, then they wouldn't have that baby, you know? And I think about that a lot too, because I know someone in my life who has lost, who lost a baby and then very shortly got pregnant with another one. And had they been pregnant still with the other baby, they wouldn't have have this one. And so, I mean, as hard as it is to reconcile, reconcile the loss, Mm -hmm. the plan, I guess, was for you to have this little bit, I don't know, you know, this little baby. And that's really hard to reconcile. Yeah. And it, it's hard for me because I love Jesus and I love God. And it's hard to understand why the, that's a thing. Mm-hmm. So, but it's just one of those questions that when I get there, I'll be like, why is this a thing? On my list. <laughs> yep. <laughs> why is this a, a trial we have to go through? And and maybe, I don't know, maybe it's for this reason. Like, it is a trial. It's for to teach us to be closer to him and to trust him and and then to share so people know that they're not alone through trials and that he is in control regardless to what you your wants and desires are. I don't know. Mm-hmm. As much as that sucks. Yeah. There's not a good answer, but I do have faith that we will see these babies again oh, and for that sure. God's plan is better than mine. And mm-hmm. yep. yeah, it's not easy uh, at, at any stage, regardless of how early or, or late, it, it's not an easy thing. I was grateful through. that I didn't have to go through a DNC. Mm. Yeah. Like they yeah. checked and all of those things. And I have also known people who had to do the DNC. And I've heard that that is even more mm-hmm. like horrific. And I was very grateful that I didn't have to go through that in addition to everything else that mm-hmm. transpired. Yeah. So if you have been through any of what we've just talked about, I'm really, really sorry. Mm-hmm. And we pray over all you mommies all the time because it's horrible and hard. And uh, personally, I think we all deserve superhero medals. Whether you've actually had to push them out or not, it's your mom. Yep. Whether you got to raise them or not, you're a mom. Mm-hmm. If you never had another kid after losing that one, you're still a mom. Mm-hmm. Don't let anyone tell you otherwise. Absolutely. I know. Yeah. Through all the heavy and all the things... We have some tips and things that we want to try and share with you about how were some things that women and men can grieve differently. So Chris has those for you. Yes. So losing a a baby can be so hard on a marriage because we grieve differently. Right. Generally, women are more expressive about their loss, more likely to seek support from others. Men, on the other hand, tend to be more um, action-oriented, trying to gather facts and solve the problem, and there's really no solving this problem. So they often don't know how to help 
And, and ultimately, that's how guys are wired, right? They are the protectors of the family. So they struggle with the fact that they can't do anything exactly. to mm-hmm. fix this. This doesn't mean that they're not grieving by any means. It's just how they they are grieving differently. Parents experience different levels of, of bonding with the baby too, right? For us women, as we are feeling the baby move, or even just as soon as we see that pregnancy test, we mm-hmm. are already starting to bond with that baby. Guys tend to, to start bonding a little bit later when they can experience some of those things as well. Yeah. The tangible stuff. Yes. Yep. Or when they see pictures on the ultrasounds and feeling the baby kick themselves. However, especially for men, real bonding may develop after the baby's born. So this can also affect the grieving process as well. Right. These are just uh, different. We are made different. And so the way we grieve is different. So as you are grieving, remember that so that the you're not putting an extra strain on your relationship as you, you know, communicate, talk about it, cry, cry about it. Sometimes that's all we could do. Right. I mean, you've already just been through a great trauma and you definitely don't want to put any additional strain in your relationship or your marriage through this loss because mm-hmm. the loss is more than enough yep. to tear anyone down. And you definitely don't need that on top of it. Absolutely. And it's really hard to work through that personally. And so they're a lot of times the guys they will should just shut down. And they mm-hmm. don't know how to communicate that because they don't they didn't feel the baby inside of them mm-hmm. or they didn't have to go through the actual miscarriage. And so it's really hard for them to really understand what you've been through. Mm-hmm. And not that they don't want to. Right. They just can't. Right. They're they're, they're not men or they're not women. Right. And so they don't have those cramp feelings and they don't know what a period feels like or those kinds of things. And so when you have a baby or when you go through a miscarriage, which is a lot like a horrible, horrible period, they don't understand mm-hmm. the discomfort and the pain and then the emotional pain that comes with it. They just don't, they can't comprehend it. Mm-hmm. So, And again, they're, they're wired to protect us and to fix things and... There's, there's nothing they there's can do there. There's nothing that they can do. So that oftentimes becomes their their focus mm-hmm. and, and part of their healing is to try and, and comfort and fix. Right. And so while we need them to give us grace, we also have to show them grace because they just are really going to kind of spiral. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of them will spiral. So. Yep. And I want to add here too, if you have other children at home when you experience this loss. Um, they're going to have all different emotions too, obviously, depending on their ages and yes. their understanding of what's happening. Um, but I know for us, that was a struggle too, because we had to be strong for the kids. But they they also knew that a baby was coming and now a baby wasn't and they didn't get to go to the hospital and, and see him. So they had to process through that on a whole nother level right um so just you know keep that in mind yeah we had um Mackenzie was about two um when we maybe 18 months to two or so when we lost Lainey and she asked her name and all the things and who who she was going to be and all the things and so ever since then we have a cup in our house like a coffee mug 
that says faith on it because Lainey is nowhere to be found and anything, but faith is everywhere. And so there's, it's like this little green puffy cup that we found at Walgreens once upon a time when she was small and she was all excited. She goes, look, mommy, it's my sister's middle name. Can we just get this? And I was like, yeah, yeah, we sure can. And so we still have it to this day. Kenzie comes and talks to us about her sometimes. And she's like, you know, she'd be this old now and getting, you know, driving and, Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, 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 she would be. So it, it, Chris is right. The kids yeah. are definitely, it's not just about your marriage relationship. If you have other kids in the house, that's, they're going to grieve too in very Absolutely. different ways and they're not going to understand. Yeah. So. Even the younger ones, yeah. my Noah, who was the one we had directly after kind of that, if we would have had Zacchaeus survive, would Noah have been here at that window of time? It probably wouldn't have happened. So just him hearing us talk about him, he's had a lot of questions about, you know, who this other brother is and and what that looks like. So, you know, again, it's it's something that the whole family has to process and and deal with kind of in their own way and in their own time. So after miscarriage um, or a stillbirth, pregnancy loss of any kind, Um, you can help your relationship survive by being respectful of uh, sensitive information and each other's needs and feelings, sharing your thoughts and emotions by keeping communication lines open. I think that's the biggest thing Mm -hmm. you have to keep. You have to keep talking, accepting differences and acknowledging that each other's coping style is going to be different. Kind of like what we talked about above. So, Mm -hmm. and then you really need to understand your healing rights. Healing doesn't mean forgetting or making memories insignificant. Healing means refocusing. You have the right to know the facts about what happened and potential implications for the future. Like Christina said, her story where she wanted to know what happened and why it happened and was this going to affect future pregnancies. Seek answers for your questions. Look into the medical records and take notes. Um, It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to find out, you know, was there something wrong with the pregnancy? You know, we, we know someone who had a baby who didn't, like their brain didn't do the split. Mm -hmm. And so that was the reason why they lost their child. And so it's okay to ask questions, you know, to understand what occurred. And unfortunately, sometimes it just happens. Mm -hmm. It just does. Like how I understood my Lainey didn't make it all the way into the sack. And that's why she didn't survive. She didn't get all the things she needed to grow. And so she didn't get all the stuff. So we knew why she didn't make it, but why didn't she make it there? You know, was it a, was it a him issue (laughs) getting it in there? Like all of the swimmers kind of situation, or was it a me issue from my stroke and the blood stuff? So, but does it matter? Not really. At that point we had decided, you know, the risk was, did not weigh, you know, he's like, I'd rather have you and Mackenzie here than try for another one and lose you in the, in the, in the pregnancy because it was a very high possibility that I could lose my life being pregnant again. And maybe that's why God didn't allow me to have her. Yeah. I think it's uh, something that just a natural thing that we do where we try to figure out what, what we did wrong, right? what we could have done differently, what, 
you know, what the cause is and just wanting to know. Sometimes it helps to know, but I think closure sometimes is helpful, you know, but sometimes it doesn't come and you have to be okay either way. (laughs) Right. Right. You know, either way. Yep. Either Um, way, there's no good answer. Even if you have an answer, there's no. No. Yeah. Good answer. Even if you have an answer, sometimes it's still not good enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Make decisions about what you would like to do with your maternity clothes or baby items or other items that might be painful to see right away. Others might try to make quick choices for you. Instead, use others to help you figure out what the best option is best for you. Like, some people are really like that. Like they can't have it in front of them and they need it to be packed away and put away. Others need to have it hang around for a little while and they need to process through it before they can move it. I know that when we stopped fostering, I didn't change the nursery for like four months. I just couldn't. Mm-hmm. I was uh, very much, I can't look at this stuff right now. Um, you know, we had several pregnancies after losing Zacchaeus and I could never wear the shirt that I was wearing when we went to the hospital again. Right. And that makes sense for sure. Like, I I don't think I would either. I would probably like, I don't ever want to see this shirt ever again in my life. <laughs> the memory there would be too painful for sure. Yep. Yeah. Protecting yourself by avoiding situations that you know will be difficult, but set realistic goals for yourself. For example, focus on coping through each day rather than the entire week. Little bits at a time. Take one day at a time, you guys. It's that's really good advice. Yeah, it's it's definitely not going to be like, you know how we talk about with our homeschool stuff where, you know, we need to plan out your week. This is not that situation. Mm-hmm. This is that situation where you really seriously sometimes need to take it minute by minute. Mm-hmm. Just to figure out how am I going to get up right now? How am I going to get a, get up out of bed? How am I going to take care of my other kids right now? Because I'm struggling. Mm-hmm. So protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Take the time to grieve and heal. There is no set time allotment for healing, nor is it something that can be rushed. There, And if people are telling you it's been hey, it's been six months or it's been a year. Aren't you over that by now? It's been 17 years and I still... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, you don't get over losing a you child. You on. You, yeah. you keep living, yeah. but you don't get over it. No. Receiving support, even though this may not be easy for you, if you feel out of control or overwhelmed, consider seeking help from a counselor, therapist, or support group to help guide you through the grieving process. There are grief groups for sure. We have one at our church. There are obviously tons of support groups on social media. Obviously you want to vet those, make sure that you're getting into one that has your values and your beliefs. And if they're, they don't make sure you get out of there right quick, but there are lots of people out there who have been through what you've been through and are there to help. Mm-hmm. Um, Obviously, our community, we try and do that for you as well. This Two Bestie Homeschool and Mamas is not just about homeschool, you guys. We are about all things mom and wife. We are here for you. Be sad and joyful. It's okay to feel sad at times when you're really struggling that day, but the key is to not let it control you. 
Others have survived their grief and in time you will too. Do enjoyable things because laughter and joy are healers. Remember that celebrating bits of joy doesn't dishonor your loss. I think that was really hard for me mm-hmm. because I thought enjoying my my daughter, Mackenzie, was mm-hmm. dishonoring Lainey. And that's just not true. It's just not true. Like, <laughs> your kid wouldn't want you sitting there suffering in their honor and leaving the other one in the dust. Mm-hmm. They just wouldn't. So don't do that. <laughs> Remember your baby. Healing doesn't mean forgetting or making memories insignificant. You may want to name your baby. I did. Christina did. Some women find comfort in doing something tangible like painting a tree or selecting a special piece of jewelry with birthstone or donating to charity. On the anniversary, you may want to share a special time with your partner. It sounds like you did something of that nature. I saw your face (laughs) when I was reading those. Planting a tree. Zacchaeus trees have always been our our uh-huh. thing. So David's co-workers at the time actually planted a tree in his honor. I didn't know that. That was cool. How awesome. Oh, I'm awful yeah. clumps. <laughs> <laughs> so with that, I'd like to add for those of you who haven't experienced a loss, but Again, one in four, we oftentimes know somebody who has. A lot of times I always hear, we don't know what to do or we don't know what to say. One thing that you can do is not ask what you can do. Just show up, just be there, listen, bring a meal, because chances are if you ask, because that's what we want to help, right? We want to help our friends that are hurting, but just asking, what can I do? Chances are they're going to say Nothing. nothing, because there's truly nothing you can do that can take away the hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, but showing up with a meal, leaving food at their door, sending them a Bible verse or a prayer. Um, Coming and picking up the other kids for an hour. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. I had a friend who checked in with me every night for weeks. Later in the evening, she just knew that that was a hard time. And so, because the house was quiet, the distractions were were done. And so she just knew that that was a harder time. And so she'd say, hey, how are you doing? What do you need? You know, let's chat. You can cry, you know. So do things like that because we often don't know what we need in those moments. Yeah. So a lot of the information that we have just gone over, the parts with how women and men grieve differently, how you can survive your relationship and understanding your healing rights, these were all information that we received and went over from the American Pregnancy Association website. It says after a miscarriage surviving emotionally, if you want to check out their website and read through it yourself, or if you need to read through that information again, we will post that website and some helpful additional websites and books for you guys in the show notes. And we'll post it on our website the day after this episode airs. All You'll have all of this helpful information, but that is where we got this information that we have just shared with you guys. So we wanted to make sure that we were giving some good and practical tips from a reputable source for you guys and wanted to make sure it was something that you could tangibly review again. Mm -hmm. The biggest thing 
through all of this is that we want you to know again that you are not alone and you do not have to feel like you're suffering in silence. I know that a lot of people don't feel comfortable talking about their story in public like Chris and I just did. And let me tell you, that wasn't comfortable. (laughs) As much as we love you all and as much as we love doing this podcast, talking about it is never comfortable, but it is necessary. And sharing it on a national podcast is very scary, but we want you all to know how not alone you are. That's how much we love you guys. But if you obviously aren't comfortable with doing something like that, find a bestie or a community that you can turn to and share and talk talk through it because that will help with some closure. Ask for help. Your emotions, your hormones, everything are still very out of whack from the pregnancy if you have just recently gone through this loss. And it will take time for all of that to regulate a lot longer than you think, actually. Mm-hmm. Typically, after you have a loss, it can still take six months to a year for your body to get back to normal. It's a lot like a normal pregnancy, you guys. Even once you lose the baby, you still technically went through all of the motions of the pregnancy. So everything is out of whack for about a year. So keep that in mind that you're not you're not going to go back to normal tomorrow. So take the time to re-regulate. You've just been through a trauma. Give yourself some grace and find a lot of time to be still and give it to God. It's really the only way to get through it. Mm-hmm. It really, really is. Yeah. How you feeling, Mama? All right. Do you want to pray or do you want me to? I will absolutely pray. Thanks for listening, guys. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for loving us so unconditionally. Thank you for being with us through these losses. And I just pray that you be with each and every mama out there that has suffered a loss. You know our heart. And we look forward to seeing those babies one day. Amen. You see, all she said she could do it. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny, before we started this episode, we're like, who's going to pray? She's like, I don't know, whoever's crying less at the end. (laughs) And then I got off the cliff at the end, and so she did it. And then, no, she couldn't handle it. (laughs) I tried, y'all. It's okay. It's okay. We told you it was going to be a teary episode, so... Anyways, if you guys found value in today's episode, we are grateful that you're here. Please like and subscribe to the show and leave us a review because it helps get the show out there to more people so that they can uh, hear and see all the things. And uh, make sure to join our community on Facebook and Instagram and TikTok, Two Bestie Homeschool and Mamas podcast. We are out there everywhere. And we just hope that this really resonated with somebody and that you needed to hear this. We really feel like there are plenty of women out there who are just sitting in this alone and we don't want you to do that. So if you have not experienced this, God bless you. And I hope that you never have to, but if you know someone who has, and you feel like this would be helpful to them, please share the information. All right, guys. Well, I hope you have a wonderful week and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye. Hey, bestie.